Well, we are uh, embarking on the Gospel of John. And uh, it's one, Gospel of John is one of those things that quite often when, when people get saved, uh, somebody will hand them uh, uh, just the Gospel of John and say, oh, read this. Uh, because it's, uh, it's, a real, it's the simple Gospel. Well, we're going to find out uh, in our series that this gospel, the gospel of John, is probably one of the deepest gospels there is. Uh, John, the gospel of John, is believed by most to be written by the apostle John, and it was one of the last of the four gospels to be written. Uh, He probably wrote it sometime around the time that he also wrote the book of Revelation in the last part of the first century. And, And a lot of people believe it, it's a response Uh, to believers saying, hey, we've read the gospel accounts of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but we want a little more. Can you fill in some details? And that's one of the interesting pieces of the gospel of John is that he records, he gives us some of the things that the other three don't. And and so as we look at that, and the purpose that, that John really latches onto is that he's going to teach us that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That is, as we follow through, we're going to see him talking about the Father. He talks. He mentions the, the Heavenly Father over a hundred times in the Gospel alone. And so he's going to talk about this idea of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the three in one, their deity together. And so, so as we look at the, this gospel, uh, it's one of those that, that it's going to absolutely, is it one of those that, yes, we need to understand what it says in its simplicity, but we also need to understand what it says in its depth of who Jesus really is. And John doesn't begin in the manger, does he? Matter of fact, he doesn't even mention the birth, really. He just gives us this little, you know, so he starts, where does he start? He starts all the way back to the beginning. So let's, let's go ahead and jump into uh, John chapter 1, the Gospel of John 1, and we're going to read the first five verses. John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was in the beginning with God. And all things came into being through Him, and apart from Him nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Well, who is this Jesus? The first thing I want you to see is Jesus was. Did you catch that? Jesus was. In the beginning, was. And what kind of tense is that? Past tense. Thank you. I love English teachers. (laughs) It's the past tense. He was, 
before the beginning started. Because how do we look at life? We, we, we look at life from where we start, right? We have a, we're born into this world. And that's for us, that's when we consider life, right? That's, and, and our life goes one direction. But I want you to think about eternity because a lot of us think about eternity in that same way. We think of eternity is over here, right? We're going to spend eternity with our Savior. It's, that's awesome, isn't it? But we're, we're looking this way and we forget that when this world was created, God was already. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit was already here. And Jesus said that he was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. Look at, when we look at Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. And then what does it say? Then God did what? He said. He spoke. The Word. It was the spoken Word, and He said, Let there be light. And there was light. Now I want you to think a second. And, and if you're in Genesis chapter 1, you can, you can peek ahead a few verses. All right? When was the sun and the moon established to rule over the earth? Day 4. So in day 1, when God said, let there be light, what was he talking about? The light of the world. He was talking about this, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the light. And we'll talk about more about that in just a few minutes. But the light is what allowed creation to start. And when John comes to he says, do you understand the implication of Genesis? The light of the world, the thing that brings life to everything is the Word, the Son of God. God spoke in Genesis. Everything He spoke came into existence. And all things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into the being that has come into being. Nothing. Not you. Not your neighbor. Nothing came into being without him. That's God creator, the deity of the world. Not only was Jesus, not only was Jesus was, but Jesus is God. He didn't stop with creation. He didn't even stop with redemption. He is, today, He is as much a part of everything that holds this world together 
as he was the, the day that they created it in the beginning and will be in the day that he brings us in Revelation, the new heaven and the new earth. We will see all of that. Not only was he, but he is God. And it doesn't matter what the world thinks. Because the world, I mean, you can you watch the protests, you watch the anarchists, you watch the people, and what are they going to hold up signs? There is no God, or God is dead. I got news for you. He's as alive today as he ever will be. He is God. There in the very beginning, and it says in, in Psalms 33, 6, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breadth of his word are all of their hosts. And if he can do that, he's got you. He has you in the palm of his hand. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You say, but you don't understand. I may not understand, but I can guarantee you he does. He knows exactly where you are. He has not misplaced you for one iota of a second. Now, you may have tried to sneak off a little ways. You may have, you may have tried to slip out of your bedroom window. Not that any of you ever did that. But he knows exactly, exactly where you are. He is also the life. Did you catch that? He is the life. In him was, past tense, life, and the life was the light of men. He, he is the very essence of life. You go back to Genesis. When he, when he spoke, he was the life that was breathed into this world. And that is going to be a theme throughout John. We're going to see him as he talks about life. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Wow. Who's the thief? Satan? The world? That's his domain? Don't you, have you ever had something stolen? Does that just irritate the dickens out of you? I, I know Ray, Ray, when Ray was building this house, there was guys who come on a regular basis, want to take all your stuff. And it's one of those things that just, you're like going, but that's the, that's the world, isn't it? They come to, uh, uh, they steal and, and kill and destroy, that's Satan. But he says, I came to give you Life And there's so many people that are staggering through this world and they've they got a big old God-sized hole about right here. And they're looking to fill that hole with everything they can and it never is the right shape because there's only one shape that fills that and that is Jesus Christ. He is the life John eleven twenty five 25, and Jesus said unto her, he's talking to Martha, Lazarus is in the tomb still for four days. And he says to Martha, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection 
and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Amen? Amen. Because we have life that isn't contained in this little earthly body. You know, we've had several funerals lately. We've got one more to come on the 8th for Roy Duncan. I don't mind doing funerals for folks that I know are born again because I know where they are. They are more alive now than they ever were here on this earth. And I know that one day I'm going to have the opportunity to be with them again forever and ever. You know, that's one of the, I was talking about this trip I took just yesterday and, and some people I haven't seen in several years. A couple came from all the way from Utah to go on our trip with us and, and I, I caught up with them to see how their life has been. And they're all in different stages of life. And we get caught up. But can you imagine when we get to heaven? We're going to have all eternity to catch up. Not just a few minutes here or a few minutes there. He is the resurrection and the life. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And that's the problem with the world is we have a, we have a society that is full of death. If you think about all the, all the ways we look at things today, it's death. Whether you can go all the way from abortion to the other end with euthanasia and you find death. But Jesus said he is the life. Well, not only is he the life, but he is the light. The light. As you look at that, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. It's shining. And, you know, as we look at the light, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I really don't like it when the sun goes down at 430 I used to have to go out and feed the goats. And out where we live, we don't have any lights in the back pasture. You know? But I will roll back there and I put my high beams on and here come all the little goaties running. Those little guys, they want their, they want their dinner. They see the light. And they come running to the light because they know that the light is going to have something wonderful for him. And Jesus, as the light, has something wonderful for us. Isaiah predicted it. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. And those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. He's talking about Jesus before he, before he ever got here. The light is coming. Be ready for the light. And in John 8, 12, he says, And then Jesus again spoke to them, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He is the light of the world. And you know, just like he was 
the light all the way back in the beginning, right? Genesis 1, right? Look at Revelation 21. And the city has no need for the sun or of the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God has illumined it, and it is lamp is what? The lamb. He's going to be the light for all eternity. When we get to the new heaven and the new earth, he's going to be the one that illumines everything. You know, we won't have to worry about, it's 9 o'clock, I need to go to bed. Because it's going to be day. All the time, because he is the light. And he is the lamb. Look, at, look down in verse 29. We'll get there next Sunday, but just for now, look at verse 29. And, and the next day he saw Jesus coming to him, and he said, Behold, and this is John the Baptist talking, Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God. We all have a sin problem, don't we? And we need, a, we need, the, we need the, the sacrifice. The Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. He is the light. Well, look at, uh, let's continue on in our passage. Look at verses 6 through 13. And there came a man sent from God whose name was John, and that we know as John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. And he was not the light, but he came to testify about the light, that there, there was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. And he came into his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believed in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God." Born of God, this light, and what does it say? It enlightens all men, everyone. The light illumines every. It's available. It's available for everyone. The light is there, just as it was in the beginning when, when the light was over all the earth. It's still here today. But so many just walk in the darkness. They haven't received that wonderful gift. You see, Romans tells us that, that God has illumined everyone. Romans 1, 19 and 20 says, but God, but because that which is known about God is evident where? Within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. You see, God sent his light to all of us 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The light is there, but people choose to close their eyes. You see, Romans tells us what? Two things. One, God gives us a conscience. I mean, you all, all of you who have raised children, know, and especially if you have grandchildren, right? They don't, we don't have to teach them no. They figure that one out really quick. You can, you can take, I've known people that have been raised in some of the most evil environments and yet they know right from wrong. Their conscience, God has built into them the ability to understand right or wrong. And secondly, God has given them creation. And if you cannot see God in creation, your, your blinders are on. I mean, you look at the birth of a child and you think what it took for that child to be conceived, two cells replicating all the DNA they need for everything. Are their eyes going to be brown or blue? Is their hair going to be gone? <laughs> all of that is mere chance. Please. But we've closed our eyes. The world has closed their eyes to creation. Psalms 14.1 says what? The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They don't want to believe that creation exists because with creation comes what? A creator. And a creator is someone you have to answer to. And they don't want that. You see, God gives all of us the ability to receive or reject him, because some will choose to receive. And to those that receive, what does it say? You will have, you will have life. And you will have life more abundantly. But there are going to be many, many who choose to reject him. For narrow is the way that leads to salvation, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Some will receive him, and some will reject him. Well, let's look at the last four verses, 14 to 18. And the word became flesh. There's the Christmas story, isn't it? You don't need much more than that, do you? The word became flesh, and it dwelt among us. And we saw his glory... The glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And God received, test, God, excuse me, John testified about him and cried out saying, This is he whom I said, he who comes after me is higher rank than I, and he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen the God at any time and the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained him 
and God dwelt among us. That little term there, that he dwelt among us, literally translated says, and Jesus pitched his tent among us. Isn't that awesome? He pitched his tent with us. You see, he could have what? He could have built a big old castle, big mansion, and ruled from the throne in Jerusalem. Well, that's going to come. <laughs> there will be a day when he will. But for you and I, he pitched his tent. That's about the lowliest kind of abode you can have, isn't it? Why? Because it's temporary. There is no foundation. There isn't a comfortable place to, to, to stay warm. You're, you, you, it's, it's temporary. Matter of fact, 2 Corinthians talks about us. He says, for we know that if this earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. We're living here. We're in a tent too. Or also. Just like Jesus. He came and pitched his tent with us. We're all vagabonds just walking through this temporary world. One of these days, we're going to take our pack off and we're not going to need it anymore because we will be home. We were watching uh, a, a section uh, uh, on OPB the other day about this couple in 1959 took off on, t on horses to ride the Pacific Crest Trail. Now in 1959, not all of the trail had been made its way through yet. And they started in April and they finished in September. And when they got done, they got to go home to Centralia, Washington. One of these days, our journey will be over. And we will get to go home. And we can take that tent and we can get rid of it. Because it's not going to be much good anymore in heaven. In Philippians 2, 5 through 80, he says, But have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ, who, though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God to be a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Wow. We sang a song uh, on Christmas Eve. What king would give up his throne to come down to me? But Jesus did that. He came and he pitched his tent with you and I. And he is walking with us because he understands exactly what we go through. Well, it also says he's full of grace and truth, right? Not just full of grace, because we have a lot of, a lot of folks today that they want to preach grace. It's all about grace. It's all about grace. Well, I got news for you. God said that 
Jesus is full of what? Grace and truth. Now, truth is pretty harsh, isn't it? It can be. Truth is, can be pretty harsh. As a matter of fact, if we were to take, uh, take one of those verses that we, we, like, we memorized last year, right? Romans 6.23. And we like to have what? We like to have the second half. For the free gift of God... Now, you guys shouldn't have to look this up. You memorized it last year, right? The free gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Everybody loves to hear that part. But do they want to hear the first part? What is the first part of that verse? The wages of sin is death. Ooh. Truth and grace. If you don't have the truth, you don't understand the grace. That free gift is forgiveness of our sin. But if we don't know we sin, we will never receive the grace. Jesus came in grace and truth. And matter of fact, he even says uh, in verse 16, for the fullness we have all received and grace upon grace. Yes, God is grace, but he is also truth. And if we don't speak the truth, people will never understand the grace. And that's what Jesus does for us, truth and grace. And I love the very last line in verse 18, and he has explained him. Jesus is the Father's explanation to us. You see, just like Moses, Moses couldn't, couldn't grasp what, what God was doing when he walked up to the burning bush or when he went up on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. He couldn't grasp all of that. Elijah couldn't even look at God, right? He put him in the cleft of the mountain and he covered him with his hand and as he walked by, we could not stand for one moment without Jesus. And he's that explanation. He's the explanation and it says, it says that God who is in the bosom of the Father. Now we don't, we don't use that term real often anymore, but it really means what? He's in the heart. God, Jesus is the heart of the Father. And you will see that all through the book of John. You're going to see the heart of the Father come out as Jesus performs his miracles to heal the, heal the, the sick. Give sight to the blind. Restore faith to, to some disciples that will lose their faith along the way. That's who Jesus is. He, is. he knows us better than we know ourselves. You see, when we look at Jesus, he explains the Heavenly Father to us. You see, if you need comfort... Jesus is the good shepherd. If you need forgiveness, he is 
the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. If you need peace, he is the prince of peace. If you need to unburden your soul, he is the counselor. If you need a mountain moved, Jesus is almighty God. And if you need eternal life, he is the way, the truth, and the life. You see, John is going to show us Jesus and Jesus is going to show us the Father. And as we go through this book of John, I want you to understand who this Jesus is. Because he loves us so much. That just like Philippians says, he came born in the flesh. Born as a little baby, walked through life just like you and I, stubbed his toe in the middle of the night. But I don't think he cursed. He, he knows exactly. He knew the pain of, of, of his best friend turning his back on him. He knew the pain of watching his mother see him die. He knew all of that. And just like Philippians says, but he came even to the death of the cross. And when we come to communion, we remember that. John is going to spend almost half of the book of the Gospel of John is about the last little time that he had with his 12. We're going to see in, in very detail of what that Last Supper looked like and sounded like. As Jesus shared with these men that he had pitched his tent with, literally, for three years. And he says, guys, folks, this is my body. I am going to willingly allow it to be broken for you. Take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me. Guys, in just a few short hours, you're going you're gonna to maybe standing afar off, maybe standing at the foot of the cross, you're going to watch as the last drop of blood flows out of my side. And this is my blood which is shed for you for the remission of sin. God in the flesh, the word that came to dwell among us, who was and is and forever will be.